to be doing this conference in uh, April called Gathering. Right. Gathering is to s- essentially start conversations around the role and the responsibilities as it's fluid for people that support others Yeah. Um, in teams. And this podcast is leading up to that conference, but also to start sharing tips and tricks and insights from yeah. you know people who work in this space. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's the that's goal. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. So welcome. Thank you. It's yeah, a pleasure to have you. Thanks for inviting me. This is uh, this is great. Um, so let's jump into it. A little bit of introductions. Sure. Um, how do you say your name, by the way, properly? Dion Blyan. Blyan. Yeah. What's the? That's a very interesting name. When I read it, it was the first time I'd seen that. Yeah. You know, it's there's actually a long story, and actually we we were you made a comment about being a musician <laughs> earlier, and I don't want to do a shameful plug, but I actually wrote a song about my name um not directly about my name but it's kind of around that so my i'm from originally from alberta i was born in edmonton me too alberta is that right look at that really we made it to the big smoke isn't that crazy um so um my family on my father's side is metis okay and uh i learned through one of his cousins um this story i'll tell you the very quick version of the story but apparently one of my relatives on on his side, this guy, was named Blandion, B L A N dash D I O N. Yeah, and I think that was his last name, and and he was loosely connected to this other guy named Big Bear, who was one of Louis Riel's closest confidants in all of that time wow. around the early um, history. Yeah, like the, the Red River stuff. Yeah, and so I. I think the the story goes that this guy was was migrating from Minnesota up into northern Saskatchewan, where my parents are from, and uh, along the way was um, getting into trouble with the law mm-hmm. um, and being a uh, First Nations uh, Indigenous person. Um, he he might have been more of a darker darker um, complexion, and. Uh, was bootlegging, selling uh, land that wasn't his. Okay. And so as he was coming further and further west, he to 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 distance himself from his reputation, he changed his last name to Blyan. Interesting. Which was the the more white yeah side of that of that name. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. My my parents separated when I was when I was very young, and so I haven't really been in in uh, you know a, a strong connection with my father for for all that time um but i asked my mother about this you know this person this story she ultimately she named me dion uh and i said like do you do you know anything about this folklore and she was like i had no idea i, I wow. knew and nothing about that and so this you know his last name was bland dion and my name's dion blind so yeah it's really Kind of odd. The inflection. That's yeah. amazing. Really weird. But how many people can have such a colorful story that's yeah. the backdrop of yeah. their name? I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, Dion, so music being an interest, but mm-hmm. how, tell me a little bit, obviously that is a big part of culture, right? And the expression of humanity. Yeah. Uh, you work in culture. How'd you come into the space career-wise? Yeah. Well, I would say it kind of started for me in nineteen ninety nine. I think it, it's been about twenty four years. I've, I, I consider my career. I had, I had other uh, things I did up until that point, and I was, let me see, I was, I graduated high school in ninety four, and mm-hmm. really started working um, in a in a career focus in in ninety nine. And I I hadn't gone to, I hadn't done a a bachelor's of any sort up until that time. So I actually just sort of fell into um, this this job with SportCheck. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Forzani Group yeah. was the owner of that company in those days. And I started as a, um, a sales associate in a store in Edmonton. Okay. London Dairy SportCheck. And I I was introduced to they they had created as an organization this department they called it the training department and it was you know a bunch of people that were based in uh, the head office in Calgary that would go around and um, talk to store employees about customer service and product mm-hmm. and uh, you know how to interact with customers and how to fit people with the right hockey skates and skis and running shoes and I I was 
I just thought, wow, wouldn't that be fun to be a part of that department? And so I kind of made it my goal from then on. Um, and so I moved through stores. I became a, a, a department store manager and a store manager and then eventually actually joined the the training department at head office. And, um, and that's kind of, I think, where it all began. I, I started then thinking more and more about, you know, how to engage people in a common topic or a common goal. So communication became a part of my job where, you know, I would have to, it, it almost started a little bit as like, um, how to win over a room and get people going in the same direction, yep, yep. you know, and, and, you know, say to somebody, well, we're going to focus on using this, um, selling model or this, uh, conversation model that, that we want, you know, you to use when you're speaking with customers on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it just kind of evolved and took on more uh, of the management focus. And, and so we, we had at that organization, um, uh, we, were, we were in the operations department, but there was a need for teaching individuals how to run the stores. And so right, right. It, it became a part of my role to help store managers understand, you know, management skills and leadership skills. And so then that that's where it kind of started to snowball a bit. And then in 2013, I actually did a, a Master's of Arts in Leadership. Wow. Uh, organizational leadership from a, at a school called Royal Roads based in Victoria, uh, British Columbia. Wow. And so I've I, never even heard of that school. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, I think... Um, it sounds like a cool program. Yeah, it was originally like a military school, very connected to the Canadian Navy, I think. Okay. Um, and then in, in the... 40s or 50s or something, it became more academically focused. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting program that really puts you in learning while you're, while you're working your job. So it's, it was almost, they, they almost set it up as, you know, you, you will probably get more out of the program if you're working full time. There were students in my program that came straight from their bachelors, and I'm, I'm sure they found it highly valuable. But, you know, I had been working uh, in sort of a leadership, you know, capacity and, and you know, had involvement in sort of helping shape culture in an organization for, at that point, you know, 15 years or so. And so all of that experience and, and, and you know, sort of um, exposure to all those things really helped, helped sort of, you know, um, shape my perspective on the teachings and the reading and, and all the things that we were doing. And so, um, yeah, from there I ended up actually, so I was always, I spent 17 years with the Forzani group and I, I was always in an operational capacity sure. there. Uh, and then after I did the, the master's program, I actually ended up being recruited by my now boss, but she was, she was working for another organization in Toronto. And uh, and so I that was the first time I entered the world of human resources or people and culture. Right. And that was in 2016. And so I moved. I I was living in Calgary by then, and uh, actually moved from Calgary to Toronto to 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 work with her. Her name's Kelly Davis. Um, and so yeah, I've been working with her for the last seven years now at Sunwing Travel Group for mm-hmm. the last three uh, years. And so um, yeah, that's a sort of the. The snapshot, I guess, of of that. <laughs> no, and I'm I'm sure our our audience will appreciate as I do hearing that arc because I feel like you know people come to work in this space from so many different backgrounds. Yeah, and like EI and an interest in people and an interest in connecting people and supporting people is kind yeah. of a common thread. Yeah, yeah. So I find that very cool to like start from this very tactile, getting people together for a function. Yeah you know, uh, sales and, and leadership kind of stuff coming in then to, uh, to education really probably informed or crystallized a lot of thoughts that you've been already, you know, brainstorming. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also like, you know, when you talk about, um, culture, you know, it's like, I also think, and I I recently wrote, uh, a paper or post or whatever that I put on LinkedIn. And, um, and that's something that I sort of learned while I was doing that master's program that helps me sort of, you know, frame uh, your thoughts, frame my thoughts and, mm-hmm. and really sort of think about how I, how I see things. And I, I, I just think that it's, you know, the, the, the article is called, you know, the scope of leadership has the scope of leadership changed. And I think it, you know, it was, it was for so long a common, um, conception that, 
you know, culture was in the hands of the human resources department mm-hmm. or it was something that just sort of happened. And and studies will show that culture will just happen, right? So you, you, you put a group of people together, call them whatever you want, give them whatever objectives you want and leave them be come back and 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 start to ask questions about what's important and what's not important and that is what defines the culture and and that will happen um you know naturally whether it's good or bad yeah you know people uh, find their they yeah common ground or otherwise what they don't have common ground on yeah and they'll be able to interface yeah and people will the 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 more dominant personalities within the group will start to um, you know, set up what is accepted, uh, what is acceptable, what people get in trouble for, what people get rewarded for, and th- you have then a culture. And I think that's that's in a way how counterculture, right? You know, uh, takes shape within organizations or within communities that that want to be you know an espoused you know set of values or culture. Um, and so I think it's it's something where you know. I believe, you know, these days, I think every leader, every person that is a, what I like to call a talent gatekeeper, mm-hmm. you know, that has a say in who joins the organization, who gets opportunities within the organization, who gets elevated within an organization, th- those people, those talent gatekeepers or those those leaders, regardless of their, of their function, whether they're a very tactical sales-based a team, or they're a IT team, or they're a uh, airline pilot, or they are, uh, you know, in people and culture, have a responsibility to actually shape the culture that is that is desired for that for that company. Right, and the calculation of that, or the strategy around, you know, an outcome and wanting to steward culture. Yeah. It's interesting because you're right. It, w- without that kind of impetus of of a uh, of strategy, you know, it, it becomes organic and it becomes reactive and yeah. it becomes this kind of like uh, anti-authoritarian or whatever. Yeah. Like people say, <laughs> this is what we need. This is what we want. Without assuming maybe that it might be possible or even available to them. And yeah, and, and really the the idea of kind of yeah stewarding culture from open dialogue with the aim of 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 input from all sides is something that requires effort and yeah. thought. Yeah. Well, and I think being deliberate, you know, as an organization, being deliberate about what are the elements, you know, we have what we call a culture equation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are the things that that leaders should bring to life with their teams that show and exhibit what the culture could and should be? Mm-hmm. Culture is the, is the result of people's behaviors, right, and and their, um, you know, you could say their attitudes, or you could say the experience they have, and the way they, the way they experience their 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 work life. So the, it, when you look at it from that perspective, then the the leader's role becomes um, more. Uh, it becomes this this responsibility of knowing. Okay, is there a set of you know, corporate values or organizational values, and many organizations define those specifically and turn them into an acronym or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah. You put know, it on a poster. Yeah, somewhere. put it on a poster, and it becomes this marketing sort of thing. But um, you know, and we talk about this a lot uh, within our organization. We have uh, a set of values that we call Epic, and they stand for they're an acronym for entrepreneurial, passionate, innovative, customer centric. I like that. And that actually becomes the definition of how we act how we make decisions but do do does every leader within the organization know what that looks and sounds like in their area because Mm -hmm. that's where it becomes it's in their hands to leading by example to figure that out right and yeah and and, And interpreting it yeah and and yeah and, and understanding that you know and we're a we're an organization owned by an entrepreneur so his version of entrepreneurial is going to be very different than the IT group's version of entrepreneurial. Right. And that's okay. It's right. just for the leaders in those groups to, you know, define that more clearly and make that tangible for their team so people can know, oh, okay, I am I am that then contributing in a way that, that is showing the behaviors that are the things we find important. Sorry about that. And also I think, you know, in, in our 
equation is is why do we do what we do as an organization, which is our purpose, mm-hmm. right? And so we are. Our, our definition of that is passionate people making vacation dreams come true, and that is really like you know you could argue that, um, you know, in an organization that sells a product or provides a service, isn't isn't your purpose to, you know, uh, increase the bottom line and make money and and mm-hmm. and have profit, and those things I think are are absolutely. Um, the, the business fundamentals necessary. are always part of a business, <laughs> yeah, but you've got to have that. To encourage the uh, quality of service, uh, you know, you need to have people that are comfortable and happy and fulfilled, you yeah. know, providing that service. Yeah. So there's a there's an um, an author and a speaker named Dr. John Izzo, uh, who wrote a book called The Purpose Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually based in Vancouver, but he he's worked with organizations all over the world, and he talks about you know results are like oxygen for an organization. So you, you've got to have the profit, the results. You, you, you have to have that or you're, you're not going to survive, right. obviously. Purpose is the, like, the aspirational why we do what we do. And, and so I think having those pieces of the equation gives, gives the, the leaders and the talent gatekeepers within the organization the tangibles mm-hmm. to, to influence and impact and be deliberate about what the culture should be yeah, based on those things. So then it doesn't have that counterculture nature or become, you know, work hard, play harder or whatever. You know, some of these things that end up becoming actually quite um create an imbalance in people's people's lives, you know, and and so, yeah. Yeah, and of course there's it's interesting when we play it out to a case example. Let's talk about Sunwing a little bit because mm-hmm. for our audience, especially the the global audience outside of Canada, they might not know the brand. Yeah. Um, so paint a picture of what Sunwing in a nutshell is, I would say, I might be wrong on this, but I've always assumed that it's kind of like, it seems to be the largest brand that I know, uh, in this kind of packaged holiday experience. Yeah. So right from flight to hotel to vacation, it's like everything that you guys do for people and you make it easy for them to quickly like get out to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I really appreciate that you know that. Uh, so often, I think people assume it's an airline, mm-hmm. and and we we have an airline, uh, and the airline is integral to our business. But we are a uh, vert- vertically integrated vacation company. So it, the organization started as what's called a tour operator. Yeah, you know, and so if you wanted to book a vacation package. Um, you could contact somebody at one of our travel agencies or or online. And this was founded. You mentioned an entrepreneur owns yep. the company. Yeah. So the the um, the founder of the organization is named Colin Hunter. Okay. Uh, and his son Stephen Hunter is the CEO and and um, runs the organization today. And so family owned, mm. privately held. Um, uh, yeah, largest. Um, vertically integrated tour operator in in North America. In North America, yes, that includes the states. Yeah, yeah, and wow. so um, the the organization has no, a number of sister companies um, that all complement the employee or the, sorry the customer journey. Sure. And so y- you're right. We have, I believe it's nearly fifty uh, hotels within our Blue Diamond Resorts um, division. Okay. Um, that the the uh, organization owns, but we. We, those are assets that are owned or, or managed are, yeah. assets. There's uh, in Cuba. There, it's a manage a management scenario. In um, Mexico, in um, Jamaica, Dominican Republic, um, Saint Lucia, Antigua. There's a there's a number of um, owned cool. assets there. So um, that yeah, that division um, is 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 sort of our exclusive brands for hotels. Yeah, because you can manage um, the experience a lot better. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so the, the Royalton is the five-star. Uh, we have a, we have Planet Hollywood. Oh. Um, yeah, as okay. a brand. We have Mystique as a brand. Um, but we also will, um, you know, uh, we'll book, you know, travelers I- at other hotels. So we, sure. we actually have access to up to eight, 800 hotels throughout sort of the Caribbean um, for travelers. So we're not, we're not, um, um, 
you know, uh, it, it isn't just the small window of those 50 hotels. So, um, yeah, and then we actually have a destination management company called Nexus Tours okay. uh, that's based in Cancun. So that they do, like, transfer. So when you land at the right. airport, you know, you get on the shuttle, you go to the hotel. But if you want to do an excursion or you want to, you know, do something um, extra within mm-hmm. your vacation, they, they help. Yeah, exactly. They take you on those experiences. Wow. Um, then we have... Um, uh, um, an organization in Atlanta, Georgia called Vacation Express, um, which kind of does a bit of everything um, that, that we do in all the other areas. So they, they do tour operation booking and all that kind of stuff, but they do a lot of um, booking um, focused on our, our American or U.S. Uh, travelers. And so they'll book on different airlines there, whereas in Canada, there is the, uh, we have our Sunwing airline that services those routes. Um, but our Travel agents in sell-off vacations is what our travel agency uh, wing is called. We'll, you know, we'll use Air Canada and WestJet and other right. other air air um, carriers to to get people where they need to go. So, um, wait, so this is interesting because there's a lot going on. Yeah, at Sunwing. Yeah, uh, assumedly the staff uh, base is you know global or at least cross North America. Yeah. Uh, how many people are employed by Sunwing? Uh, well, when you look at Blue Diamond, the Blue Diamond Resorts side is the biggest, uh, and then Nexus Tours is up there, and then yeah, in Canada, so it's it's probably close to twenty thousand. Wow, all in yeah. uh, when you when you consider all those yeah all, those all pieces. the different functions, yeah. all the different yeah functions of the business. Yeah, man, that's it, a big group of people. It is, yeah, and each of those divisions is is we we apply the same. Um, culture equation. So our epic values and our purpose statement mm-hmm. have been adopted by each of those divisions. And so when you when you experience our people in at the hotel at the all inclusive, they know what epic is, and they're, they're thinking about being epic, and they know that um, we're in the business to make vacation dreams come true. And so it's a it's a powerful thing actually when you when you consider. You know, twenty thousand employees all over the Western Hemisphere. Right. You know, from different cultures, from different from backgrounds, different, different cultures. Yeah. yeah, people in Jamaica, people in Mexico, people in Toronto, people in Edmonton, people in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all all sort of thinking and 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 moving in the same direction. Um, it's it's really exciting. I yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's thrilling, the idea of, especially the sector that you're in, right? So we talked a little bit, you know, off camera about this, or I mentioned this, that um, being in travel and leisure and facilitating, you know, passionately uh, facilitating these these kind of like people's escapes from the norm, right? Vacations yeah. are these wonderful opportunities for everyone to reset and have the, the truest experience of themselves as possible kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how does that role uh, play into the culture of the company and how do you enable uh, your staff to not just appreciate but also experience and know uh, kind of what the guest experience is yeah I mean it's when I joined the organization I was I, I had spent 20 years in retail operations uh, and so the travel industry and certainly being, you know, a part of an organization with an airline was was brand new to me. Mm-hmm. And, and something that I have um, experienced within this organization that has been so tangible and so powerful to me is the, the so the, the E in Epic, the entrepreneurial, being entrepreneurial um, is is so tangible within within our organization and our people are so they take ownership over what it is they do mm-hmm. and i think it is because of their understanding of what the customer is purchasing mm-hmm. you know and knowing that our product is that experience but along the way there are all these touch points where we have an opportunity to interact with and and strengthen you know that that um customer value proposition. Right. Um, and so people are, you know, in, in Sunwing Travel Group, people are so passionate about making that the best experience for, for the traveler. And so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question well, but it's, it is something that, that everybody is so, 
like emotionally connected to mm-hmm. what it is that's happening. And when we have, you know, um, flight schedule changes or there are, uh, we call them IROPs in the airline industry, you know, ir- irregular operations, if there's weather, <laughs> okay. if there's a, you know, hurricane, sure. you know, all of those sorts of things, people don't, the, the, the people in the organization do not hesitate to jump up to do the right thing to ensure that the customer mm-hmm. gets where they need to go or gets the experience they want. Because it takes that it, proactive, you know, attitude and absolutely. knowledge set to be able to, to kind of react without being reactive uh-huh. and like mm-hmm. not scrambling, right? Yeah. So I think the end-to-end solution that you guys offer, you know, it sounds like it enables that entrepreneurship because there's more tools at people's disposal on your team yeah. to be able to call up and yeah. make things happen out of. Yeah. Especially, you know, in, on the airline side, in the hotel side, it is, it's something where, you know, the, the, the guest experience is, is so important. Um, and, and yeah, it really feels like, um, the teams on those sides are, are enabled to make good decisions and, and to be able to, you know, take that experience into their own hands and in, ensure that they understand how to, how to provide that. And, and I think that, you know, our epic values and our purpose statement really help shape that and frame that for, for those, those teams. So it's how, okay. So you've been with the organization through the last couple of years of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there any anecdotes that you'd like to share from that experience and, and indications also of within your sector, like what you're seeing yeah. It's it's been intense. I mean, yeah, I started in August of 2019 with the organization. So I I think I I managed to um clock 6 months before yeah. um the pandemic really hit. And it was it was yeah, it was really intense and and it was something that um I think really gave the organization a chance to um and they've they've done like, when you look back on the history of of Sunwing Travel Group, there have been so many things that have been similar but not quite as elevated as the pandemic. Yeah, you know, there's there have been ice storms. There have been, you know, there was a whole thing around the Max Eight airplane that, oh, right. that we own some of those, and okay. so there was a grounding of those airplanes. And so a lot of those sort of things really created these. And there's been hurricanes every hurricane season for the since the beginning of time right. and so those sorts of things i think uh especially again on the hotels and the airline side and the destination mm-hmm. management side um the groups that are on the front line and not in the offices um have were totally prepared for things to be kind of nutty they're 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 just you know totally um uh, 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 accustomed, you know, to, to these situations where things go haywire and they, you know, know how to persevere through that and, and deal with that. Um, I think where it's been an, a really positive learning experience is in the areas where, you know, perhaps a, 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 a more traditional view of being in the office mm-hmm. um, was the, the approach for the organization. And we've learned quickly and drastically how to be hybrid. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Are there are there are there tools you rely on now that you've had to kind of like create a stack out of? Is it, is it a digital solution thing to yeah. manage communication and yeah. schedules? I think, and... Well, it was interesting that we, so we were already a Microsoft shop. Okay. So Microsoft Teams was already on everybody's computer. Right. Um, and so it was, thankfully, it wasn't a, a mad dash to find... Uh, a video conferencing tool or a, or a chat tool or anything like that. We had that in place. It was, though, a, a, a fast immersion in learning how to use those well. Right. You know, and I think right. that there was, I remember, you know, uh, in my six months before the pandemic hit, having to do, because my team and my, uh, I'm within the people and culture group that, that interacts with all of those divisions I, I talked about earlier. Sure. And so we we had meetings previously where we would have, you know, folks from, from Cancun, Panama, um, Atlanta, you know, together on meetings where we were trying to do these video calls where we right. were kind of, you know, messing it up a little bit and, and <laughs> hearing the echo and the feedback and yeah, all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. So, Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, exactly. You there? Oh, you're on Can mute. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. And it's even to this day, the mute thing is a, is a funny thing where it, it, yeah. it still gets, you know, sort of um, accidentally... It accidentally happens. We did a, st- a session in the same studio, I think it was like two weeks ago. Yeah. 
uh, and uh, it was it was a it was a recorded call, and this is stuff we do every day, and even in the studio with yeah. professional <laughs> producers. It was the same thing, and it, yeah. was, it turned out to be someone's Bluetooth connection on the other side. You oh, know, you're but. kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we, the, you know, that sounds kind of um, that sounds small, but I think that was a big, a big thing where we immediately started sharing information around how to use uh, Microsoft Teams better, uh, and then people just really got used to doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, on a grander scale, I think about all of that, you know, where it was one day the world was told, okay, you're going to work from home today. Yeah. And everybody was like, what? Mm -hmm. What do you mean? How do we do that? And then, you know, fast forward to a year after that, when people started talking about coming back to the office, it was like, okay, we're going to start coming back to the office. And the reaction was, what? Right. You know, it was like, it was so funny because it was like, you know the thing that that everybody thought was impossible to do yeah. was fully possible yeah and then again it was like okay well there's a new paradigm of what's possible we can go back to the office a little bit i don't know if i want to do that yeah 2 years in people not necessarily wanting to come back to the office despite and and, and that reaction being like oh but wait no now we can yeah feeling that what has always been has been the standard and now having to readdress what your sense of of kind of workplace standards are based off of people's new experiences. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think it's 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 like any new thing for for individuals that um, that created habits and had you know and felt um, you know accustomed to a certain way of doing things, mm-hmm. and so that was for for us going to the office every day, and and you know where some people would have a extremely long commute or would be riding public transit. And so now, when you when you look at the um, the things that are tangible within a within a company culture, in our company culture, there there is a desire for the employees, not necessarily the leaders. I think, and that's something I was trying to get to with that Gallup poll thinking was that leaders who who are empowered to make decisions always. Uh, the, this study showed that through the pandemic, they always felt. Psych- psychologically safe. They always felt, mm. you know, kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Where it was the layer below people that were decision makers felt a little more, you know, unstable mm-hmm. for for certain reasons through the pandemic. And it's that group that I think um, we have seen through some of our employee engagement surveys and these these sorts of data points. We have seen where it's those people that feel the the need for um, you know the ability to to work hybrid, and the ability to you know work from home on a day where you're doing something that doesn't involve needing to talk to anybody else. Why take a commute just to focus just in to, isolation? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. to like like rip through an Excel spreadsheet at your desk with headphones on. Yeah, and people walking around behind you when you know that's the type of work that you may do better from your, you know, your desk in your home office at home or your kitchen table, um, and so I think yeah we we learned a lot of things through that and and I think we learned I'd even heard it you know anecdotally mentioned um, in the organization like we've proven that we can be productive mm-hmm. working hybrid I think that the misconception at the beginning was, okay, are, are we going to be able to actually get anything done? Yeah, how will we actually get everyone yeah. around the same table if there's no table? How are we going to no know table? people are doing anything? And, and then, again, I think it, it is what I said earlier about that entrepreneurial uh, and passionate mindset that everybody shows within the organization carried over into that and said, well, you know, any, like, take any of the employees, and, and I think you, you would you would you would see them say, well, I'm still I still have that focus and I can still I can still get this this done, you know, from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So now we're in that place where it's there is I, I believe in, and, and I think as an organization, we believe there is there's great value in being in the same room with people. Sure. And so now it's a it's sort of a shift in understanding when we come to the office, how do we use that time? Yeah. And maybe even what the office is to enable that time being used for yeah. something extra beneficial. Yeah, yeah, and thinking, and, and it's, a, it's a new, I think, skill set, or it's a new mindset for leaders to think about, you know, it isn't about 
um, um, my team coming and clocking in at the office and clocking out from the office. Mm-hmm. It's my team coming and you know what is the what is the in person engagement that that we can build for that day mm-hmm. so that they feel like it was worth coming all that way. Right. You know right. if when they are coming a long way for that, um, or you know even doing things that are less focused on the work and more yeah. about the team galvanizing and understanding each other so that when we are doing meetings and having decision-making sessions over a video call, mm-hmm. we we don't have those intangible barriers that would have existed yes. previously. We're seeing this a lot at Startwell where, you know, every day we're having, you know, up to 20 teams meeting on campus yeah. of various sizes, right? And various formats of meeting. Everything from, you know, CMO doing a quarterly presentation of of what's coming up ahead to the marketing team, yeah, to whatever investor relations things, to small groups just kind of getting together to jam, and, and we're seeing this from everyone. Is this like a want for coming together to be a social reset? That doesn't necessarily mean their people are like having drinks, yeah, and like you know just want a beautiful catered meal and they'll go home. Uh, but it's literally to like get past the screen and and kind of have fun. Like we keep hearing these two words, right? It, one has been a mantra for Startwell, which is which is happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an open ended thing. Yeah. But we want when people leave this place, you know, to feel happier for having been here. And uh, there's another. There's a whole suite of things that we employ to uh, to to do that. But fundamentally, people. Um, yeah, who leave their sessions at Startwell are really they they should feel great for having been with their people. Yeah, um, and that feeling definitely comes from having fun and comes yeah. from enjoying their time together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those bonds you want to strengthen, I think, in every organization, right? Yeah, because people rely on those bonds to be able to communicate. Yeah, it it is it is a critical thing, and even you know well before the pandemic, I think. Um, you know, I personally really started to realize, especially with, you know, working with our, our geographically dispersed groups and all these different divisions, time in person is so important to have in order to, you know, build trust, build that rapport so mm-hmm. that when you are on a video call, there isn't, again, there isn't that veil, that thin thin veil of like, are they understanding me? Are we on the same page? Yeah. Do we really, can we talk freely? You know, I, I think that that's critical. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, I think it's also like this, you know, the, the idea of having social time together is also, I think, still an uneasy place for some, for some people. Sure. Where, you know, and, and even just like, again, like the, the world telling us to isolate and then and then going okay now we're not isolating anymore let's get back together there is a can be jarring there's a th- yeah exactly i thought that's a great word is like it's it's jarring to be like oh wait so i'm in i'm in this office and the door's closed with someone and i've been told for 2 years i'm not supposed to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and then as you're starting to do that again there's that stuff to get over there's also like even there's some very tangible like I even noticed personally going back to the office and having more in-person conversations, I would feel more tired at the end of the day or I, my voice right. would feel used to kind it, of right. croaky, you know, because you're used to just just talking to a screen where you don't have to project very much. Sure, sure. But then if you're in a room with people, you have to project a bit more, or you're more excited or whatever. So there's like all of these little things, I think, that that maybe are and i don't know if i'm solving anything here but the, maybe those are the things that are contributing to some of the mental health situations that sure. are happening sure, of course. i don't know um but i also thought about like so the idea of being together and 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 building a rapport with each other we talk we've got a, a diversity equity and inclusion strategy which my team owns within our organization as well we talk a lot about this uh, the sense of belonging mm-hmm. so so employees feeling a sense of belonging and we do we do borrow that from the world of DEI but i think it fits in with with any part of an organization where people will in order for someone to feel authentically themselves but like they belong to the team yeah I don't know that you can only accomplish that through video calls and telephone calls. I think that you need yeah. time together, I believe you know, so. in person. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that does help 
um, create that gel, you know, and and mm-hmm. and bring that bring that together within teams. It's, it's like belonging to a company can be a very abstract, you know, phenomena until it's experienced. And then how do you experience it? I mean, one, it could be that old world. Now we're saying old world way of walking into a building. Yeah. And then you see that brand and you say, okay, I'm part of it because I walked underneath the sign. Yeah, yeah. Or it, uh, which is a, a kind of more sustainable concept, right, is is that you share the experience of ownership of that brand and that empowers you to feel like you belong yeah. Yeah. to the collective. Yeah. So yeah. then that, that supports culture, right? It does, yeah. And, and I think the, the, the strong version of that is also that you feel like you're, you're yourself, yeah. You know, and I think that's those are almost contradictory things. It's like I'm authentically me, but I belong to that group. Well, it's interesting because this is a, this is something that like for many years in kind of corporate culture in North America has not necessarily um been valued uh or celebrated through kind of like, you know, formal dialogue is is the idea of you know, really employee participation yeah. and i don't mean stock options yeah yeah but instead that sense of empowerment and and i like the fact that you guys see entrepreneurialism and entrepreneurship as a kind of a, a value mm-hmm. because that ties into a sense of ownership and an empowered position within that sense of ownership to make decisions yeah yeah right and and that's a huge thing not every organization has that where they're looking to their employees to actually solve problems and yep. not be just given the keys to put in the lock. Everywhere. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, that made me think of, there's this trend of, um, uh, you know, white papers and articles being written about this topic called quiet quitting. Okay. Right yes. Now, you know, and school and, me on this because I keep hearing all these phrases yeah. and they're like, I'm too busy to like break it down. It's, I mean, I haven't done enough reading to be an expert on it, but I, I think that it's about the way I, under, I understand it is it's really like kind of opposite of what you just said. So it's mm, like okay. the the idea of employee engagement and and employees being invested and 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 um, proactive in what they're doing. There's a trend right now where, and and I think it's particularly around this new all of these new things that we're dealing with. So employees mm-hmm. wanting more hybrid opportunities, employees wanting to feel like they belong, but be the, their authentic selves and to know that the organization that they work for are are doing good things in the world and aren't just, right. you know, um, um, being stagnant in, in, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, you know, uh, psychological safety, safe environment, you know, all those sorts of things. The idea of quiet quitting, I think, is that people are not not technically quitting mm. but they are they are um like saying, withdrawing i'm gonna withdraw I, I you know i've tried hard enough for the last couple of years to get you to realize you know my lived experience okay. you know so i mean a, a good example could be around somebody that's that said we need to do more around indigenous um history or we need to do more around we need to we need to understand a bit more around transgender and and, and you know um binary um communities you know and are non-binary um people and mm-hmm. and understanding how to be a welcome environment for that type of thing people you know those would be examples of of topics that um employees may have felt empowered to bring up and say what are we doing around this and and then the quiet quitting ideas when they're met with roadblocks to those things right right you know where it's whether it's their leader or whether it's the organization as a whole that kind of goes we're not worried about that kind of stuff we're Mm -hmm. doing other things and we're making profit and whatever um where they're like okay well i've tried hard enough to be a positive influence on the team or i've tried hard enough to you know live up to what i've been asked to live up to as an employee that that is you know supposed to be contributing to the organization i'm just gonna collect my paycheck yeah quiet up you know quiet down a little bit hang out in my you know my uh you know my desk or whatever and not really put in the effort anymore to contribute and it's a sad phenomenon because it just means that the, like people aren't really bringing their best self to uh you know to work and and yeah. as an employer of course that's always what you want ideally yeah. at least an entrepreneurial minded employer like i would say that i want people to come be excited yeah. You know, this is a big part of their life. Being at work is the bigger part of their life than sleeping. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Or yeah. as as important and it should be as restful and it should be as empowering and it should be as fulfilling as doing something as, you know, natural. Yeah. As, well, I mean and and I mentioned earlier that sort of 
question that I, I had in that one article I wrote about, like, uh, has the scope of leadership changed? And I think all of this reinforces that it truly has, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting because when you think about, you know, what do you sign up for as a senior manager or a leader within an organization? I think, you know, if you compare today to 20 years ago, the list of things that we need to understand as leaders and the things that we need to, you know, um, espouse, I guess, for the lack of a, a less academic word, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bigger list. Like, do, do I as a leader need to be an expert in the world of uh, anti-black racism? Maybe not. But but do I need to understand what that's a, about a little bit, you know, so that the black Canadians on my team feel themselves and a part of the team? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Do I need to understand, you know, how to counsel somebody with a mental illness? Maybe not. I don't need to be an expert in that. But do I need to understand the spectrum of mental health to be able to see when somebody's not themselves that day? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, as a leader. Do I need to, um, you know, be a uh, be able to counsel someone that has um, experienced sexual harassment uh, or sexual violence within the workplace. I might not need to be an expert in counseling that person, but do I need to understand the process and the program the organization has in place to deal with that and what our values are around preventing that? Absolutely. You know, and so anyway, I'm going through this this list of actual specific things that we have within our company, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the scope of a leader today is different than it was before. And I think there's a greater responsibility to look at the holistic picture of what does a human being experience right. in their work life. Right. And that, I think, builds and supports a culture that is, you know, welcoming and is 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 safe, you know, and, and is vibrant. I agree. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I always, part of my scholastic, uh, you know, endeavors at McGill when I was younger uh, were, were really looking at a lot of cultural things. And, and I specifically uh, did comparative religion. And then I, I looked at the evolution of, of music and the evolution of electronic mm, music. Cool. Oh, cool. But for me, I look at in the last, you know, let's call it 20, 30 years with an increased, uh, you know, secularization of, of society, especially here in North mm. America, and then urban stratification where people's living links to culture and family are a little bit stressed. People are mm. more distanced from familiar things. Yeah. Um, you know, I see especially that sense of belonging, if it can be fostered at an organization where someone spends every day, Yeah. Uh, the potential for empowering those people to be enabled to not only, um, you know, contribute to a company in with, with a greater, let's say, generosity, and uh, confidence. Yeah. But that idea of a team strengthening to, uh, you know, support individuals that belong to it yeah. naturally yeah. is the opportunity is very high and higher than ever. Yeah. So in a way, it's like the responsibilities have changed, but at the same time, the opportunity has, has changed Yeah, yeah. to kind of give people the company and say, what you have is you have access to this amazing space people um, set of, of, of responsibilities, yes, but but things that you can do to actually have fun doing things yeah. every day. It's such a good point. I really like the way you put that. And and it really is uh yeah, like I love that. It's it's a it's a it's a responsibility, but it's an opportunity. And the great opportunity I think lies in the impact that leaders and 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 you know um, people in organizations can have on the organization and each other, um, you know, n- not to even, um, not to leave out the consumer. Um, but, you know, I-, I think from a culture perspective, we're talking about, you know, inside the organization. So for sure. Yeah. And that, I mean, that exactly, we haven't really talked, dug into this consumer experience side of the story, but, uh, suffice it to say for this conversation, yeah. uh, as an organization is happier, more comfortable, more enabled, more empowered, um, they're able to have, you know, extend that yeah. face. Yeah. yeah. The, the employee group is, it should be a reflection of the consumer group. I mean, there, there should be a, a correlation there. And if you want to stand for something for your consumer, mm-hmm. then, then your employees need to understand what you stand for, for them. So there's right. an employee value proposition and there's a 
customer proposition. Hundred percent. You know, and in order to uphold the customer proposition, the employees need to understand. You know, and I think for us, it's that that epic values and the purpose, passion, and people making vacation dreams come true. That really, that's where it begins. Um, but then you go even further, where you know, not every single one of you know our our our, our customer base is a diverse group. Our you know our employee base should reflect the diverse group of travelers we have mm-hmm. and and should you know um you know should 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 see themselves in our advertising should see themselves in you know in our properties like uh, you know it, it should be uh there should be that sort of thing i'm leaning on the diverse diversity piece again um but but it's an topical. interesting point yeah whether it's that piece or, or anything else i think the idea of now also we are in this We've shifted in the last, I've believed it's been longer than just in the last few years, but um, in this new era of opportunity where the marketing tools at our disposal enable brands to have a greater communication with their customer base. Yeah. And that, of course, is about brand expression and some forms of marketing and advertising, just in terms of mechanics and, and logistics, end up being these sort of clunky processes yeah that don't reflect the brand yeah you know and and it takes a lot of effort to look at the whole stack and say okay well as a company how are we expressing ourselves and how how do we 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 might know how to express ourselves better but we're just not doing it yeah and we want to do it so we've got to take a deep look at that and so yeah Yeah. it's true a lot of this is about communication and uh and marketing can can let down that ability for a company to speak uh, or it can just transcend it. And yeah. empowering your staff to be able to speak to customers directly is its own form of marketing. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Yeah, our marketing, I mean, I, I'll have to, I just have, I'm not a marketing expert, but our marketing group has done some amazing things recently that um, I think really, really support the the transcendent side that you that you talked about. And yeah, yeah we, we're really proud of the work they've been doing recently. It's so it's innovative and yeah they they just did a i won't get into this too deeply but they just did a, a consumer uh insights um project where they really you know asked our consumer what what do you think of this organization it was time for them to really sort of look at that and almost um recalibrate on oh okay that's your perception of who we are and this is what we want to build more upon and so yeah so that we have a new a new marketing campaign called more 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 okay uh, in canada that you'll you'll see a little bit of and but it's a dynamic really fresh really bright diverse so the 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 human beings that you see in the imagery reflect the diversity in mm-hmm. our country and the countries that we that we uh, operate in. And yeah, so we're really proud of all the work they've been doing. I'm excited because I know historically, like this is uh, for all our our, our listeners and, and our viewers who are outside of Canada who don't know this like crazy seasonality that we deal with here. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. fact that like all Canadians look forward to their summer or their winter vacations yeah. to go somewhere warm at least once a year if they can if they can manage it. And they rely on, you know, obviously companies like Sunwing, but they don't rely on them as a Expedia alternative a lot of yeah. the time. It's more like every year I'm going to plan my one, two, three vacations yeah. and rely on this company to give me not just my vacations, but give me that escape as something I can rely on all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's interesting because the role that you play in your customers' lives is is very large, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so cool that you recognize that, and I think that's something that empowers that feeling of entrepreneurialness and that passion mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier. I think that our, especially in our sales side and our travel agents, and even on the the airline side, they they. They see that this is somebody's vacation that they've planned for the last year, mm-hmm. and now it's happening. And so they're so invested in in helping that two week or one week or three week journey um, be the dream that they wanted it they wanted to come true. You know, and so it's um, yeah, that's so cool. Cool, man. Well, it was awesome spending some time yeah. talking about a bunch yeah. of topics. Um, as we lead into or towards April and the conference coming up, Gathering 2023, uh, we're going to do a couple of these sessions that will be industry-focused roundtables. Oh, so cool. I'd love to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to those. be a part of that. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Awesome. Yeah. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks, Kasim. Thank you. It's been fantastic.